Welcome to the fifth episode of the Holopod podcast, podcast, podcast by Searchability. After an incredibly busy few months, we're back again. Just when you think we're being decommissioned, they give us another go. I'm not. I'm not sure how we're still here. Uh, today's episode is going to be purely focused on the contract market. Exciting times. We're hoping to provide clients with some guidance on the market. Give them, give them some advice on what they may need to, may need to consider and nailing down that perfect key timing on when hiring contractors suits their needs. We'll aim to shoot down or bust some of those classic contractor myths. Debunk, is that the right word, Dave? Debunk? Yeah. Debunk? Dispel. Dispel. <laughs> no, it's definitely not dispel. <laughs> and uh, also talk about nonsense, so ignore that bit because I've lost my way. Uh, in all honesty, this podcast was thrown together a little bit last minute when it fellas we it were this uh, morning this morning it wasn't this morning <laughs> we were in the pub on monday and we're all big football fans we're local to chester and uh, wrexham's recent plight to promotion is a very hot topic of conversation yeah. and it got us thinking has there ever been a more football casing point as to how best to utilize contractors than that of ex-manchester united goalkeeping legend ben foster yeah true for for those that that don't know, um, Wrexham recently achieved promotion. We all Wrexham fans? Yeah. Yeah? Mm. Yeah? yeah? No? Yeah? No? Yeah, of course you played. Well, in, <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course you played yeah. from Jim. I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah. So, uh, Wrexham, we're on a big push of promotion. It was looking promising. And their first team goalkeeper got injured with about eight games left of the season. Yeah. Step up, Mr. Foster. Ben was probably someone they couldn't have attracted in normal circumstances. Probably would have cost too much money this time last year. Yep. But he brought him in, paid him a lot of money. Yep. And his quality got the job done, resulting in an all-important penalty save uh, against Notts County, who were promotion rivals at the time. Great save. Yeah. Great game. Yeah. It was some signing. Yeah. Perfect example of when quality is needed, you pay that little bit more money and they can get you over the line. Yeah. It couldn't be more relatable to the contract market. They paid a premium rate, and he got the job done. He's probably likely to move on at the end of the season, mm-hmm. once that job's completed, and they might bring someone in more long-term. Yep. But what a perfect example of what contractors can do. Yep. They certainly have the place, particularly when you need that quality. Okay, so to help us get to the bottom of this, we've actually got Ben <laughs> on the couch with us himself. Hi, Ben. I know. Oh, make sure uh, you have got hair. No, I'm sorry. I was told that we were joined by Ben Foster and Tomori Ketspire, yeah. ex-Newcastle legend, yeah. no? You couldn't quite secure them. No, no. Oh, fair enough. Well, we're, we're stuck with two contract legends who, between them, have just over 10 years of recruitment experience, which, ironically, was Dave's age when he last won the World Cup. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Cheers. And like Jim said, he actually played for Wrexham in the early 90s. So we've kind no, of gone full no, circle early there. early 2000s. Early 2000s, <laughs> apologies. If you ever needed any, any evidence that recruitment is no longer a young man's game, it's, it's sat in this very room. And the girls maybe get away with it in, in the corner, but uh, <laughs> yeah. there's about 100 years between us here. Um, I've had <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. Yeah, it probably is true. Probably is true. Okay. Cheers, uh, I've had the pleasure of working alongside Jim and Dave for, for quite some time now. Uh, both huge parts of lifting the contract division off the ground at Searchability. Uh, Jim's been with us for about six years. Just sure, yeah. He focused on contract dev recruitment, and he's now looking after the, en- the entire team or the team in its entirety, whichever you prefer. Uh, and Dave looks after or runs our contract infrastructure division. 
they're both doing pretty well and they'll tell us more about the market as, as we go along. You know, the, the two very different markets with, with similar objectives, yeah. albeit probably not too dissimilar objections. And we'll, we'll touch on that shortly. Yep. Okay, fellas. Cool. So, um, so Jim actually did join us briefly on episode one. I did. Of the pod. I did. Yeah. I thought we were a little bit shaky at that point. Hopefully things are starting to improve. You have not looked at the camera once. Good. You always look at the camera, mate. It's your favorite thing to do. <laughs> and, and Dave is, in fact, a holopod virgin. And I am. Welcome, Dave. Thank you. First good time on the me. sofa, mate. Good, yeah. good to have you. Yeah, good yeah. to have you. <laughs> All right, how are things going, fellas? All good? Yeah, good, good yeah. yeah really good. Looking forward to it. Good. Well, we'll get, we'll get stuck in, but considering contract recruitment is actually all of our backgrounds, yeah. Yeah. this pod could last about three days. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get straight to it and move it along. So if you want to just both provide a quick overview as to your background and, and why you're here today. Yeah, of course. So obviously kind of, you've just touched on it then. Um, so I've been at Searchability just shy of six years now. Um, came in under your wing you're welcome thank you um obviously kind of helping you out in regards to the market for candidates and finding contractors and then uh taking the step to become a consultant on the board looked after london at the start grew that patch out and passed that on to someone else's capable hands and actually took over uh, yorkshire and the northwest looking after that market and as you just mentioned then i think the last time i was on as well i just started taking over the contract team as you the did. manager. Um, so I've been doing that for kind of the last 12 months or just over. And yeah, that's uh, my role and my background at the moment. Nice. Yeah, Dave. so I, I've been uh, with Searchability for four and a half, five years now. Um, when I decided to, the route that I decided to go down, like you mentioned before, was the infrastructure and support side of things. Not something that we did a lot of on the contracts team. So it is an opportunity to build out something meaningful, build out a team. Um, put my stamp on searchability and my vertical as as a whole. Um, so we've been, been building that out. I've done just about everything there is to do. I've worked in retail, every sort of industry that there is. And, and re- no, I didn't play for Wrexham. No, I didn't. Airbus. No, I didn't. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Did you work at Airbus? Or play for no, Airbus? I didn't. I didn't work at Airbus. <laughs> but my last job was in in metering of all things, gas and electric. Um, but like I always do, I came back to to Jimmy. I'm like his shadow. We worked together at Creative Play, we didn't did. we, mate? Yeah, we, we did. were selling yeah. um, playgrounds together. So, um, yeah. So so now now we've ended up here. I'm his I'm his better looking, bigger shadow. Is, is that I don't a, think shadows can be good looking. But no, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm, fair not, enough, yeah. I'm not sure that's the thing. <laughs> good analogy. Okay, James, great to have you on board today. Yep. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, before we get too serious, we like to to kick off our first segment of a little bit of a light-hearted segment. I guess <laughs> kind of repeating myself there, uh, but it's called the good, the bad, and the awkward. Hopefully, it'll break the ice. It'll get the creative juices flowing. Give the, the listeners a bit more insight about your worst moments in recruitment, I hope. Mm. Basically, you tell a little story that um, that stands out from the crowd through your years of doing this, which is hopefully both good, bad and awkward. Mm-hmm. Who's going to who's gonna kick us off? I'll go first. So, um, yeah, the last time I was on, I spoke about um, a client that I just started working with. I'm not going to be doing the same one. I'm just recapping for the, the listeners. Right, okay. Um, so, uh, I've worked with the clients and... I basically got the interview date wrong. The contractor's gone to site. There's no one there to interview him. Fortunately, I've got the, the client to go in and interview that person. All went well, got the job. And 
since that kind of placed a number of contractors with him. So that was a combination of good, bad, awkward and everything else involved. Um, this one's slightly different. So I was working with a client and um, I placed a, a developer with a client. Everything was going well, as far as I as far as I was aware. Um, and it was a call from the, the client. I think kind of their contract was due to finish or I was hoping get renewed. And the client was very much a case of, yeah, we're going to actually just going to let that person go, kind of serve them notice. Okay. So as you do, kind of discuss why, the reason behind it. And they all seem quite legit for letting the contractor finish. So call the contractor. Hiya. I'm basically making you aware that they're serving your notice and they want to kind of wrap you up and started like chuckling. I was a bit like, oh, were you expecting this? He went, jealous. I was like, oh, <laughs> what do you mean? He said, he's jealous of me. I said, the client? And he's like, yep, yeah, basically kind of can't handle the fact that I'm more experienced, I'm, I'm better at the job than them. So I was like, oh, right, okay, so. Grounded as well, was he? <sighs> <laughs> So I had this conversation trying to kind of make it aware it was nothing to do with jealousy or kind of envy or whatever else you want to call it. So basically had a chat with him. I said, look, kind of leave this with me. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. I won't, I won't, I won't. Off the phone, 10 minutes later, an email from him to me and the client. You're just jealous. You're letting me go because you can't handle out better. I was like, oh, for God's sake. So I then had to kind of pick the phone up, call the client. Even in the email, it said, even James agrees with me that you're jealous of me. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. So I'm on the phone to the client trying to... I bet you had agreed as well, hadn't you? I hadn't. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm impartial on the fence. Um, so I'm speaking to the, the, the client trying to explain the situation. And anyway, this is... Trying to get this rectified. It's gone on for days, weeks, trying to just kind of get it all calmed out and sorted. <laughs> eventually the, the contractor's just accepted that they're letting him go for the valid reasons, nothing to do with jealousy or envy. Um, that contractor moves on, does find something else, I've spoke to them since, etc. And eventually kind of the client says to me, can we actually get someone else in? So I've placed someone else there and they, I've worked with them on a few occasions since. So yeah, a bit of a, bit of a strange one. Definitely awkward and bad. <laughs> but kind of good in well, the end. The good thing is that we all agreed that he was jealous and envious. No, no, no. It was just good that I actually kind of, you know, everyone was happy. He moved on, got another job, and I was able to find someone else for the clients. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sound. Dave? Yeah, so when you told me about this segment all, I um, there's, there's only really one story that stuck out in my mind. I wasn't sure whether I was going to do it. Flip-flopped, but I am. So, um, Exciting. Yeah. When I first went on the board, we're talking two months maybe after I started working as a, as a consultant, if you like. Yeah, I think it was just after your 42nd birthday, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just after England won the World Cup. <laughs> that was it, that was it. <laughs> um, there's a, a client that we used to work with. They reached back out, and I was really excited, you know, as you are in those days about these sort of things. And um, the, the role was quite niche. It was with a tool that was, you know, not very widely used, and so finding people was really tough. I worked really hard, stayed late, as you do when you're in your early days, and... And even now, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, eventually, I found this guy amazing down the southeast, um, willing to come up to Warrington once a month. All cool, and so um, all good. Two months down the line, I've got a runner. I'm dead happy. Everything's going well until I get this phone call. Um, we've received a part. It was speeding fines with with an S with an S. Yeah, and I'm going all right. Two. Plural. 
Plural. Oh. And I'm going two fines. <laughs> Up. Three fines. Four. Oh, we kept going. Oh, go on. Nine fines in a two-month period. Parking fines. We saw again. Speeding fines. Speeding oh. fines. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, this the, 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 the job... <laughs> he was running late. <laughs> He's eager to get the job done. The job is based... On the field, he has to be able to drive. This is in a company van. He's doing this <laughs> with the name of the company emblazoned on the side. Brilliant. So anyway, that, that's the name of the company. That's the bad. <laughs> that's the bad. Um, it got awkward when obviously that was the end of that situation. Understandably, um, everything got sent back to the client, and the client rang me up again um, and went, "We've received the um, box for his phone back." And we, I was like, "Okay, great." And he was like, "Except there's no phone in it." <laughs> And I went, why? Well, why is that? Eventually, I got why to the bottom of it. <laughs> Eventually, I got to the bottom of it. It had been confiscated by the police because he had used it to try and hack into Google. Brilliant. Yeah. Smart guy, then. I don't know whether he did. Success yeah. was going to Yeah, I don't know whether he had any success with that. He um, got quite close, the fact that they took the phone <laughs> off The police him. knew about it, at least. So, yeah, I mean, two months into your recruitment career, or oh, sorry, four months by this point, it's not, it's not what you're looking for. So, But we replaced him. There's your good at the end. Did you it's a good him? sandwich. Did you place it? Again? <laughs> a good sandwich. Yeah. Oh, not that candidate. Absolutely <laughs> not, though. No. Okay, so what you know, what happened with the fines? Did they did they did he pay them or I f- feel like do you know what? I can't remember. <laughs> but I feel like we deducted them from, from him. Office last pay. Office last so all's well that ends well. All's well that ends well. All right, buzzing. No, too good story there, Jens. Thank you for that. <laughs> right, okay. Let's let's move along and talk about the main purpose of today's pod so <coughs> ultimately we want to try and bust or debunk some of the the classic contractor myths that we've we've heard over the years yep. in the hope that there would be some clients listening who have maybe heard bad things about contractors and we can we can put some of those rumors to bed yeah yeah you know we've all been there haven't we several bd calls over the years you're trying to sell in a contractor or you know a client's looking or trying to convince a client to take on a contractor and you get one of those classic staple responses. Yeah. 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 And hopefully you guys are going to help us put some of those to bed. So um, I know I asked you to have a little bit of a think about these before before we came in today. Yep. So I think we should just get stuck in and, and, Absolutely. and give it a go, fellas. Yeah, so... I'll kick off. Yeah, go for so, it. So um, <coughs> I think kind of the classic... You know, I think we've all heard and, you know, common phrases, too expensive. Contractors are too expensive. Look, they, are, we, they are pretty expensive, though. Well, you talk <laughs> about Ben Foster, you know, we even highlighted that, you know, probably more expensive than Rexham would like to have paid. But look what happened. Look what was delivered. We do know that contractors can sometimes come at a cost that the client might not be wanting to pay. But with that, you know, at the end of the day... that. There are no upfront fees. With a permanent hire, you know, you are kind of paying upfront for a percentage of that person's salary. If you go around agency, you're talking. Of yeah. course, yes, yeah, sorry. In regards to kind of, you know, if you're using kind of a, a contract, you're actually not paying anything until they've actually started delivering on the project. You know, in the way that we operate, you know, we give access of a timesheet portal to the contractor and the client so the client can actually manage what's being done and have a look. What's, and if they're not happy with it, they don't have to approve that timesheet, etc. So there's no upfront fees costs involved. Um, in regards to hiring a contractor as well, if they're an outside IR35 contractor, you know, there's the clients aren't paying for tax, national insurance, pensions, training certifications. The contractors, you know, they've got these training, uh, training, training certificates and everything like that already. Um, 
But yeah, I think we and Dave were talking about it in regards to if the client was to use an agency and they had the salary of fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. So this is this is a real life example where I'd spoken to a client who was looking in the ideal world to bring on a permanent member of staff. It's worth mentioning that a lot of the contracts we we place are intended to be permanent members of staff, and yeah. in, in, in you know eventually quite often go back to being permanent members of staff once, like you say, Ben Foster filled the gap, got them to where they need to be and will be replaced by a permanent member of staff in, in, the, in the long run. And that, that does happen. That's a lot of what we yeah. do. And I had this conversation and they were looking for £50,000 a year as a, as a base salary. Yeah. And so when I started sending contractors that if you literally times their day rate by the amount of days that they're going to work, well over 50. it's about 80. £85,000 yeah. and obviously straight away alarm bells. Nope. Yep, yep. absolutely not. That's £35,000 more. But when you break it down and you look at the things like the and the tax, the agency fees you'd have to pay us, which by the way is included in the day rate that we would send yep. them, yep. Uh, the pensions, the training, all these sorts of things that you Holiday put together. Pay, sick Holiday pay. pay, sick pay. We did, I did a, cal- some, a calculation, very basic, but you know, it g- gave you an idea. Yeah. And you're around about 80, 85 mark. Yeah. And it's amazing that how that happens and when you when you sort of bring that to a client's attention when you get the chance yeah. to do that yeah every time they're amazed by it yeah it's like i said it's a good point when we send over a day rate inclusive kind of fees you know that there's no hidden cost it's not a case of and a client maybe a couple of weeks back who i've worked with on several occasions kind of not for a long time recently again since and they said oh obviously kind of in regards to invoices how do we invoice their tax and national insurance i said He's an outside IR35 contract. You're not paying that. Not your and they, they were like, oh, great. So, it, again, it was a cost they weren't aware of that they didn't have to pay. So, I think with it, I think just a bit of, you know, um, kind of looking into kind of how contractors can assist and kind of the rates involved with it can kind of, yes, seem to be quite expensive, but in the long term, not necessarily. You're also getting that extra level of, of premium quality, aren't you? you this, is what, this, is, this is a good point, actually, because at the end of the day, sometimes they just are expensive. Yeah. But you're hiring somebody who's at the very top of their game. Yeah. And, you know, when you you could turn around and say a permanent member of staff, I mean, if you're hiring a head of data as a permanent member of staff, they're going to be expensive. That's a hell of a salary that um, they're going to be getting. So if you're hiring a senior contractor, they're going to be expensive. But it just depends on what level you need and yeah. what, what effects that has on your yeah, business. That makes sense. And again, you know, the too expensive thing is the fact that the client may have been looking at the kind of, wrong type of contractor i mean the end they you know we work in a market where rates vary you know the end they kind of they might have been sent acv in the past which was well kind of above what they were expecting to pay but that's not necessarily kind of that's what all contractors cost yeah you know the end they kind of our job is to go and find out what kind of budget you have and to kind of make sure that the kind of the cost the, the contractors we send fit within their cost and their budget so you know that's our job to kind of go and find those Hard to find people at those. Yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, from from back in my day, you know, contractors aren't always expensive no. as long as the client is realistic about mm. their expectations. Yeah, the job doing, and it's simple. You'll get a cheap contractor. Of course. If you want some to, someone to deliver a high end project within budget, within time, we've tried and tested. That's exactly, where you're. Yeah. And I don't want to touch on too expense. much again. But again, if there's things, especially if you bring the contract in regards kind of the way that they work remote etc you know you can there's the ways that kind of bring the cost down etc okay so ultimately what what you guys are saying is a lot of clients perhaps those who are less experienced taking on contractors yeah. don't necessarily consider the hidden costs that a permanent member of staff yeah. may cost yeah especially when utilizing agency service to secure those candidates and ultimately 
good contractors who are brought in to deliver specific projects might cost a lot of money, but it's beneficial because yep. you'll get a high quality exactly. service. Ben yeah. Foster. Ben Foster. Perfect Back to Ben again. To we'll ben. have to get him on. We will. I'll call him after. Good luck with that. Yeah, you call him, Jim. Myth busted then, I guess, I fellas. I agree. Yeah. Go on, so. go on then. What else you got for us? So the, the next one we want to talk about, and it, it's a funny one, this, but the fact that contractors are firefighters. It's something that we hear what? a lot. Firefighters. Never placed one. <laughs> I kind of played terrible. cheese specialist. It's a but. terrible joke. By that, what, what client would mean is, for example, in their heads, they are thinking that contractors will be brought in at a time when shit's hit the fan. Yep. It's yep. It, it's already happened. Um, they've got a project. They've got some deliverables, and they're in a situation where that's not going to get done on time. Yeah. Um, this is pretty a pretty common call. Very common. Right. It's more common than than people probably yeah. think. Yeah. And it, it, it. So you turn around to a client that isn't in that situation. Why would they take on a contractor? They'd just get a permanent so, person. Get a permanent person. And it's like a fact of you know the, they've brought in someone permanent. They think they can do this job, and then kind of three, four, however many months in or how many years in, it's like they're not delivering. And then it's like, oh, we've already spent so much money on this person. So then go and bring someone too expensive. It's like, why would we do that and stuff? So. I think the, be the best example I could come up with for, for explaining this is we work with a large digital agency, one of one of your favourites, Ollie. Um, I had a meeting with, um, with the head of DevOps a good, good while ago, and they were in the, the process of a big scale-up on their DevOps team. And with DevOps, there's two different sides of it. There's an SRE side and there was an ops side. That's the way that they were doing it. And they were sort of looking at it from those angles. So the idea was they were going to build their team up, 10 members of staff, five on each side, and all, all of them would be contributing to this DevOps capability. Now, this is a massive change in Psyche for them. And they were it was, it was a big change that they were going through. What they were keen to do is still operate whilst this was going on. Yeah. They know, as better, probably as well, if not better than we do, <coughs> that... It can three month notice periods. You can have, you know, finding people, all these sorts of things. It's going to take a while. It's a challenge. That. There's a big challenge to yeah, build yeah. that team out. So what they wanted was an end to end DevOps engineer, somebody who was high level that could sit in the middle, do the SRE side of it, do the ops side of it, and just keep it ticking over, just keep it alive whilst yeah. this team was being built around them, um, which we did. We did place that person. What it meant was that this team, even though I think the team actually took longer than we thought to build out as a, from a permanent basis, it never, ever hit the fan, if you like. It was always ticking over. And it was the perfect use of a contractor. Yeah. Without shit in the fan. So this refers back to the the timing that I was discussing in, in, in the introduction. This is, this is key for me. Yeah. You know, clients quite often get this part wrong they do make those calls when shit has ready at the fan yeah. and feel like they have to pay a lot of money to get the best people in to save the day. Things don't always work out that way. You make panic decisions. Yeah. yeah you don't assess the market properly. You try and move too quickly. And I know we talk about speed a lot. No doubt Jim will yeah. have a lot to say about speed later. He was fast back in the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's <laughs> contractors have a part to play, particularly when it comes to either project delivery yeah. Or, like you said there, Dave, keeping the ball in the air while we build exactly. this team out. Yeah. yeah, I think, again, with it, you know, if, for instance, a client has a project or kind of they look to bring someone in, sometimes it's a case of instead of kind of getting to the stage where, oh, let's just get a contract in from day one to kind of get this project where it needs to be. Yeah, lift then, a project rather than save a project. Exactly. exactly. And I think kind of it's just the client themselves kind of knowing where are we up to, what, what, 
what's the importance of this project? What's it kind of obviously for our business and kind of maybe kind of saying, well, do you know what? Let's get someone in who has been there, done that to kind of get the project where it needs to be and then hire permanent around that kind of. It's worth noting though at this point that sometimes contractors are brought in because shit's hit the fan. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be times where your your team turns <laughs> around to you and goes, oh my God, we're in, we're in trouble here. You get in somebody, yeah, you pay a premium. Yeah, you, you've got to put your, you know, your tail between your legs and sort of hold your hands up. All right, we need to get a professional in here. To save face. To yeah. save face. Yep. Bring in someone. So yeah. in short, contractors are firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no. not the message. No, not They can be firefighters. <laughs> no, they can be. There's nothing wrong with fire... firefighters. Ah, okay. Yeah, that, I think okay. that's the point is kind of... Myth half busted. Half busted. <laughs> Fully busted, I say. <laughs> Right, go on then. What else you got for us, fellas? Um, sticking with the firefighter theme, um, <laughs> fingers burns. Okay, tell tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> Never heard that one before. That they wouldn't use a contract because they've had their fingers burned. Okay, right. So you mean they've taken the contract in the past? It hasn't worked out. Yeah. In, so, in short, I mean, kind of. One thing I would say is kind of, you can kind of say the same for for permanent. You know, then they kind of people can have their fingers burned hiring the permanent staff. Mm-hmm. especially if it's for an agency kind of you know they've used an agency to bring in someone permanent and it's like kind of not worked out and then there's like a around it etc um, one thing I would say in regards to kind of the contractors is look at the end of the day I think you know Dave's alluded to this as well is that we've had our fingers burnt in the past as well kind Big of time. using contractors so we always try and use contractors that are tried and tested you know if it's a case of we've placed someone a lot of the contractors I work with and place Again and again, you know, I've worked with them before. So okay. if I'm speaking to a client, you know, I've already got a contract in mind for that project, not someone, right, I'm going to go on the job board, so I'm going to go and find someone. It's like, I know someone who can do this for you. But they say, well, my things are... And it's a case of trying to explain to that client, I completely appreciate that, but this contractor is someone who I've worked with on several different projects who I know can help out. I know you've got a contractor there, yeah, so I've got I've got a contractor that I've placed six times now, which you know, Jesus. <laughs> for those that for those that don't know, that's a lot of times to place a contractor, it is. Um, and it's not it's not the end. It'll certainly be more. <laughs> and the re- the reason that we have such a good relationship is that he obviously trusts me to do my job, and I trust him to do his job. And his job is to to go in and be a firefighter, <laughs> <laughs> a top-notch DevOps engineer, right. which is exactly what he is. Yeah. And I hope he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he will yeah. be. I cheese are you right, mate? Um, <laughs> when he goes, when he goes into his, co- I placed him in big companies, small companies, companies that are, that weighs a one man team, companies where he's part of a 10 man team. Yep. Everywhere he goes, he, he delivers, a, he delivers what they need from him. And it, it takes that off my plate you've got like jimmy says we've had our fingers burned the fact of the matter is i think that the clients when when they talk about oh i've had my fingers burnt with contractors before when you have your fingers burnt by a contractor it could be someone getting 500 600 pound a day and if you've been had your fingers burnt it might not be by month one month two but month three you start to realize that things aren't going particularly well by that point you pay them a heck of a lot of money. Especially in large organisations. Exactly. Yeah, where yeah. they can kind of go under the radar. Yeah. Completely, but again, I think same can happen with permanent. In the end, they kind of, you know, get someone permanent. We're not supposed to 
bad mouthing perm recruitment AJ we, we do that as well we would never <laughs> do such a thing but what I'm saying is kind of I appreciate kind of you know in regards to the contractors saying things have been burnt by contract but it can happen with you know permanent hires as well yeah I understand what you're saying it just hurts clients more because of the cost because because of the costs ultimately yeah and, the fact that they and, and you know what you know I, I remember this a, a lot back in my day you, this is a, a common objection that you receive yeah. from clients now ultimately you, even if you're the best contract recruiter on, on planet Earth, you can't get it right 100% of the time. No. You can use a lot of the tried and tested people you've worked with before, yeah. but you have to start somewhere. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. In, in the early days, yeah, the business isn't as reliable. The contracts you're speaking to probably aren't as good as the ones you become familiar with further down the line. So I get it. People have bad experiences, and they do on permanent recruitment as well. Yeah. And you know what? We have bad experiences with clients on, 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 on the flip side of that occasionally. But... You shouldn't judge a book by its cover. No. You know, 95% of contractors are reliable. You know, they, they may move on once a project is completed, extension or not, for a better value opportunity or a more interesting technology, etc. But, you know, they're there to deliver a project and what? they do... They but live and die by reputation, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. But that's that you just alluded to that then. What I was just about to say as well is what you have to remember is that contractors, by and whole outside contractors certainly are a business to business they're a, they themselves own a limited business that's how they operate yeah and with that in mind they are judged on their reputation and you know not just between us recruiters so it's not just a case of oh i know this person i'm going to place them in this role in the market you get out there you could work really well for the uh, head of development say, yeah. or what have you. That person will move to another company. They are, they live and die by their reputation. And yes, there's going to be cases where their reputation's down here, but most of them know this and are at the top of the game. Yeah, I mean, with the fingers burnt, you know, then they kind of, there are things that we can do to combat that as well. Obviously, kind of, you know, there's a shorter notice period. Now, look, we don't even in a situation where, a contractor hasn't delivered, so because of the shorter notice period, they can get rid of them with a you know a one week notice period. But you know that is there; it's a kind of safety net that kind of yeah they can get rid of this needs be. You know we can also do things like a working interview. Mm-hmm. You know which we've I've done quite a lot to be fair. For instance, a client is a bit unsure, but you know they like the look of the CV. Well, what we'll do is we'll get them in for the first day. Day one is an interview. You know, get them, you know, within the kind of parameters of you know the work that they do get them doing a bit of work in regards to that project and if after day one it ain't for them then both parties walk away and there's no fees involved it's an interview if they do like them then we continue the contract on and kind of obviously the back pain for that day because they want to use them but you know there are things that we can do to protect to reduce the risk reduce, reduce the risk it. i mean i work with a, a client in yorkshire and you know i was speaking with this client you know regularly kind of every week contractors 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 no 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 and the reason being was a lot of it was you know some of the reasons we spoke about too expensive you know the things have been burnt but i was adamant that kind of i could help this company and that the contractor could help the company purely because i had someone in mind because the tech that they were using i had someone who i'd worked with before it was their bread and butter they could they could do it and they got into a situation where they were hiring for a permanent member of staff and it they couldn't find someone, and again, I'd called them, and obviously called them in a good mood. Do you know what? Send the contractor. I sent the contractor. They did like the look of the CV. And said, this is typically the case, isn't yeah, it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, have a chat. Had a chat. Placed that person on initial three-month contract. 12 months later, still working there. 
I placed six or seven more people with them. So it was just a case of, because, again, I think the fact that I had someone who I'd worked with before and knew that they could deliver, I was very confident that when I was speaking with them, I wasn't just kind of chancing my arm by saying, oh, I'll find you someone. I knew that I had someone ready to help out. And then once you got that person then, clients started to see the value. Of course. Yeah, oh, well, definitely they come back to me for six of the highest. I've still got a contractor there. <laughs> <laughs> Classic hand yeah. yeah. Swooping in. <laughs> okay, so... What, what was that one? Burning fingers or something like that? Fingers burnt. <laughs> Having your fingers burnt. Fingers burnt. Right, so ultimately, don't judge a bug by its cover. You've had one bad experience. There are plenty. There's plenty more good contractors out there yeah. than there are bad. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like it. Moving on, fellas. So the next one I wanted to talk about was bespoke systems, which is, sounds really sort of, what's the word? Boring. Boring, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. We're kind of getting all to speed in regards to we can't... No, even... no, no. So basically what, what I mean by that is a lot of the... One of the objections, and I, I don't know whether I hear this more on my side than, than you do, but is that clients use bespoke systems. Why would they take on a contractor when they'd have to bring them up to speed on a bespoke system? Right. Yeah, okay. Right. That You can apply that same theory to quite a few different environments, can't you? But... I don't have time to bring in a contractor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't be paying X amount a day to get them used to our system. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so, I mean, what you you would say to that is, from, as an example, one of the companies that I work with is a trading company in London. They have a a development office in rural Cheshire, right? I imagine because talent's a bit cheaper up here. I don't know if that's the reason, but I imagine that's what it is. And part of what they part of what I've done there is app called application support. So application support is um support IT support, but supporting people on a specific application, usually bespoke. And in this instance, it was one of those trading forums. You know, you see on the films, they've got these they walk into like the what's it called, the trade center, and there's all oh, these like the screens. screens around. It's there. Like Wall Street. Yeah, like Wall Street, exactly <laughs> like, like that. Batman when Bane yeah, goes when in. Bane goes yeah, in exactly. yeah. So <laughs> It's it's one of those systems, he was and, a contractor and it's been made. It's been made <laughs> specifically. <laughs> he was anyway. Not helpful, James. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. It's been made specifically for them to do their job, and so the contractor that I that was really struggling with permanent member staff, the contractor that I placed had to go in not only learn those systems but support the users that are working on it on their systems, and so. It's you know it's a pretty tricky role to do. They never wanted to take on contractors for this reason. I had this discussion with them. What you tend to find is that the contractors that you send in, one, they've worked in various different industries. Yep. They've worked in various different companies of various different sizes, and crucially with various different systems. Now, they haven't got the blinkers on because like sometimes exactly. you get someone in a who's been working for a company for a number of years, kind of they can't see the bigger picture sometimes. Institutionalized almost. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But you've got these contractors who've worked in different companies, sectors, industries, and they kind of come in and go, they look at us and go, oh, actually, we did this here, slightly different, but, and then they can apply that there, so. Exactly, and so what, what they were finding was that um, these contracts were coming in with new ideas, and the, these technologies, uh, these bespoke apps, if you like, or solutions or whatever they are, they're built on our technology. Yeah. So they have to be made out of something that somebody somewhere's made. And if you can find somebody that's used that technology, they can pretty much pick it up straight away anyway. They're experts. That's what we're talking so about. So the framework or whatever it might be is kind of irrelevant exactly. if you can write in that code. I had, I had a client in um, South Yorkshire and um, it was PHP. It was Falcon. No, you ever? no idea. 
So basically said, we've got a bespoke... You've made that up. I haven't made it up. It's PH, by the way. PH, not... What, like Falcon? Yeah, Falcon. I like it. So, and basically said, we bring in PHP, but we need someone to have kind of experience within Falcon. It's a bespoke system, and but we think we... We, we think we... Think PH. We think we'd struggle to find someone, and to be honest, kind of... <laughs> stop it. There was loads of people, to be fair, and kind of that, you know, I placed someone there, and they had that falcon experience and they kind of come in and did the job so it was kind of they they were even themselves surprised that someone could pick it up that quickly yeah and and i mean alluding back to go back to this this example with the trading company that i worked with we could then open up a whole town pool bear in mind they're in rural cheshire yeah you go to contractors contractors don't mind traveling further than, than permanent members of staff the reason for that they know there's a shelf life to it yeah if i said to you oh i'm going to pay you loads of money you've got to travel a little bit more every day but it'll be finished in six months and they go where go, the work is right. budget, yeah and they'll go where the work is so I opened up a whole new talent pool to them. And when they were on site, it just, it, it, something clicked in them and they were like, yeah, that's great. They actually made him the manager, the, the guy that I placed there because they could see exactly the benefit of that. But I, I do understand where this comes from. I yeah, do understand I, that. I think again though, like, you know, people saying that, oh, we've got a bespoke system. It's more about the education side of things. I kind of say, look, I completely appreciate that. And you know, you've got this bespoke system. However, the people we work with, you know, they. Yeah, I think, I think that, objection has its time and its place yeah, agree. you know yeah. ultimately i think when companies invest in permanent members as staff there's there's no there's no end of the line mm-hmm. so it might take somebody six months to go up to speed but eventually they will get it and then become part of the furniture etc etc yeah, they're not going to lose an asset yeah but from a, a contract perspective the initial difference that that person will make will be huge yeah a contractor who has bounced around number of organizations delivering projects they've got more exposure to a wider spread yep. of skill set etc in theory should be better suited to a bespoke, bespoke system bespoke system or a new environment than someone who's been in the same country for eight years yeah definitely so the counter the counter argument is clear yeah, yeah. good okay cool so we bust that one you? busted busted debunked debunked <laughs> Sorry. dispelled brilliant um other one that we were talking about was quite a. We just don't use agencies, and well, you'd apply that to recruitment in its entirety. Agreed. You, yeah, and contract, I but think it's still relevant. Yeah, yeah. I think kind of you know we'll, we'll speak with a client saying you know and they'll say, well, look, we don't use agencies for contractors and you know again the conversation can be the cost etc. And you know I always say to clients if you can find contractors yourself. You know, why would you pay an agency? You know, I, I'm I'm all for that. If people can find the right contractors for the right projects, you know, great. We're here to help when you need us. And what I try want to kind of, it, we're an alternative solution. At the end of the day, they might say that they use their own contractors. They've got a pool of freelancers. I hear quite a lot, which is great. But unfortunately, for depending if you're an agency or a consultancy or whatever, sometimes there's these niche projects where they have to kind of go outside that pool. And how do they go about it in regards to, you know, taking the time to go and speak to people, kind of find these people, you know, at the end they kind of, it can be quite a lot of your time to filter through CVs, speak to people who might not be quite right, but you just want to find out what's going on, kind of go to search for these people, you know, we will kind of do that for you. And, you know, we're, it's one of those uh, organisations where we actually don't kind of take any money or kind of fees off anyone until we've actually placed that person. So, you know, a client could say to me, can you go and find me someone? I'm not going to say, okay, but give me X amount of money. We'll go and just do it because we know we can find those people. Oh, we're already working with those people. So it's a case of, you know, we want to be that alternative solution to kind of 
work alongside your kind of existing kind of recruitment. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think I think niche is always the the way yeah. in the door in, in your early days. You almost overpromise and underdeliver at times, yeah. but you find a way of of, of making it work. Yeah. You know the re- the reason that so many niche candidates end up being contractors is because they very quickly realise they are niche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they can charge a fortune for what they're doing mm. because no one else can do it yet. Let's, yeah, let's not let's not complicate it any more yeah. than that. So so many permanent quality permanent candidates do end up going contracting for that very reason alone yeah. if you found your niche in I'm, I'm in, in my time we're going back seven or eight years now maybe a little bit less but react popped onto the scene yeah everyone went mad for react mad for node and so many permanent candidates just shifted straight across to being contractors i could charge seven eight hundred pound a day at that point because yeah. there's no one else out there yeah mm-hmm. that's slowly filtered down over the years yeah. and react is now the powerhouse that it's become but that's that's your you, you bread and butter, you know. It just it, it just makes sense. So yeah, that quite often can be the way yeah. in the door. Yeah, and we know clients use us because they can't find these guys themselves, right? Well, that's yeah. it. And you know, kind of like for instance, when companies have a internal recruitment team, you know, they they go and do this. But you know, if we're speaking to smaller organisations where the head of development has got to do the recruitment process as well. The, have they got time to kind of be managing a development team and kind of getting their hands dirty with the development, but also then going to take time to go and speak to a, a, a potential kind of contractor themselves, kind of make sure they're right, then do the interview process and kind of go through all of that process. That's where we kind of say, well, we can do that for you and kind of help out on that front. Well, it's what we do all day, every day. Well, yeah, it? it's, like I said, it's our bread and butter, isn't it? So Okay, cool. Any, any more, fellas? Yeah, I think the elephant in the room is the last one. Don't be so... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. That was nasty. Sorry. Yeah. Cheers, mate. I mean, I didn't want to make this podcast about IR35, but it, it has oh, to be... We've come this far. We're half an hour in now. Bloody elephant. But it, it ha- the bloody elephant. It has to be brought up because there's no denying that um, it, ch- it changed. Yeah. It changed the marketplace. And yeah. so one of the things that we're hearing from clients now, one of the objections is we don't take on contractors anymore since the IR35 reforms. Okay. Very brief history lesson because I don't want to get, I want to bore everyone, but um, IR35 has been around 23 years. It, it's it's a way of um, of making sure that contractors are taxed properly in in sort of comparison to their permanent counterparts and and before uh, the, the reforms, basically people had to make their own adjudications based on their own work, their own businesses. Adjudication, I love that word. Yeah, it's a good word, isn't it? I just came out of nowhere. That as well. <laughs> um, it's been flipped on its head by HMRC, and now it's down to the client. And obviously, clients got scared. They got very scared very yeah. quickly. And what happened was. It led to companies like the big banks, big companies, doing what we called blanket inside. Blanket ban, wasn't it? Like a blanket blanket determination. And the reason for this, uh, we we, we don't know, but I imagine it's either, one, they were doing it wrong before and then they got a bit scared, or two, sheer paperwork. Yeah, I mean, mean, if you've got 400 contractors and you've got to determine all of them. Each individual for project. Yeah, yeah. And it has to be independent, hence why they blanket ban. Exactly, Yeah. yeah, exactly. So... Long story short, like I say, I didn't want to. I, I don't want to go too deep into that as an objection. But what happened, and 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 the the resulting sort of fact of that is, it flipped the market on its head completely. And what you found was that small companies, SMEs, startups, they couldn't get the talent they needed from a contracting point of view because the banks could go, "Oh, you we'll throw this much money." Exactly, at you. Yeah. throw money at them. 
Then it flipped on the head and they went inside. And what it meant was that the big banks had to pay more to the contractors to sort of get them level because they had to pay more tax. They had to pay fees to the umbrella companies, all that sort of stuff. And so um, the long and short is that these these smaller companies found themselves in a position where they could hoover up the, good, the top talent because they were not applicable for IR35 um, rules, meaning that they were they had less than 50 permanent employees. They had a, a turnover 10. less than 10.2 million, uh, and the balance sheet was less than 5.1 million. So yep. with those factors, you had these companies that were, that were sort of now hoovering up the talent. Now, the difference is that we've fast forward a little bit to now and what's happened is the bigger companies are now starting to take the time to make the proper determinations on IR35. And when these companies are turned around to me and saying, you know, we don't take on contractors since uh, since IR35 changed, it's up to us to educate them. But if you take a bit of time to educate them and talk through IR35, yeah. they're now realising with the dust settling that if they do do a determination, which by the way takes... 15 minutes probably if you yeah. do assess tool and look at it properly and, and do things properly disclaimer you have to answer the questions honestly you do why wouldn't you well, i don't know <laughs> i have no idea why anyone wouldn't do that properly but no but yeah yeah it's one of those and it kind of the end of the day if they can kind of if they've got project specific so you'll talk about niche again if for instance i, I was with a client and i think kind of um they were a php house but they brought on a client who was dot net they didn't have the capability inside so that was a, that was an outside IR35 contract. They needed someone to come and deliver on a project. Get the job done. Exactly. Kind and of, then bugger off at the end. Exactly. Now that is a legitimate kind of outside IR35 contract yeah. kind of get them in, you know, obviously kind of the, the supervision, the kind of you know, the areas that we need to look at in regards to kind of an outside IR35 contractor. And that again, you know, that that's the benefits of a contractor coming to deliver on something which is project-based to kind of get it over the line. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, and so basically, the, you know, the market changed. Um, if you take your time and do the evaluations as people, you know, should be doing really anyway, rather than just saying we don't take on contractors or rather just saying um, it's inside of IR35 without looking at it, you've got a massive advantage. And so it's up to us to take that objection and not only say it's not an objection, but say it's actually a massive advantage. You can turn it right on its head. So you're, you're really talking about an educational piece here, whereas, you know, some clients who maybe don't take on contractors as often or maybe haven't done their mm -hmm. due diligence, et cetera, mm -hmm. there is an opportunity here for the right agencies yep. to educate, advise them on how best to determine that status, and then there's a potential window of opportunity. I and also, I'm, I'm guessing now, and I've, I've not been doing this recently as, as you both know but as the market or the dust has settled mm -hmm. you're finding more of a willingness from contractors to go inside anyway because there was definitely a period where it was like outside no, no i get paid loads and i don't pay any tax now yeah. for those genuine outside of i-35 contractors fair dues but the point was some taking advantage of the system yeah so i imagine that's also gone full circle. But we, but we spoke about this, you know, I think kind of, you know, contractors were wary like before kind of, you know, if we worked outside to then go inside kind of thing. It, it's project to project base. It's not a case of, you know, for instance, you might have to, if you can be flexible in regards to kind of, I'm working outside I-35 contract. So do you know what kind of, I'm not getting supervised, managed kind of, you know. Left your own devices. Agreed. But if for instance, there's a role where, 
they're going to be supervised a little bit more, you know, and it becomes an inside role. As long as they're kind of willing to change the w- their working ways to kind of fit within the... There's nothing wrong with that to a degree. It's a case of... And, you know, we, we do get contractors who, who I speak with and work in an inside role, yet I can work this outside role because, obviously, you know, the, the way that it's been determined by the client. So that, again, I think people were scared to, to say that I've been working outside. If I go inside, will I get investigated? But I think kind of that's... Yeah, that's, common misconception. It's, yeah, it's the project it, it's that's the being pro- determined. Not the contract, it's the project. And not, not the person themselves. Yeah. I mean, misconceptions yeah. is, a great, is a great word to align with this whole yeah. IR35 situation. I think this is the only one out of the ones that we've mentioned where not only is it busted, but it's just straight up wrong. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What is? What's wrong? It's a strong word to you. I don't think there's been a better time take on a contractor people know the market now yeah contractors are willing to work inside of IR35 some of that aren't you know the, those that are delivering project-based work they're still out there you know if, we, you, if you do a proper determination and take your time like the clients that are telling me that are not then all of a sudden you, you you've opened up a whole new a whole new sort of market to yourself and so yeah it makes perfect sense to, to take advantage of it Take a reasonable care and you can take advantage. Exactly. Sound. Okay, boys. Love it. Right. So I know I asked you to take a quick look at this then. And no more. I don't think there's any more myths to debunk, is there? I think we're. Well, there we're probably really is, but. Well, we'll be, be here for hours. We'd but be, yeah, I think kind of they're we'd the, the ones forever. that we kind of come across the most, yeah. So we do tend to do a little bit of a top tip segment. Um, each guest that comes on gives us a tip relevant to the, yep. the pod itself. I know yep. I asked you to look at this beforehand. I've well, got no idea what you're going to say. Well. Um, but yeah, what what are your top tips well, we've, for we've, those listeners? We've, out we've there? actually been we've we've gone a bit rogue, brilliant, unlike us. <laughs> unlike, so we've done two top tips. So there needs fa- to be five, mate. No, no, there's five, <laughs> five, but five top tips. That's one group. Yeah, five top tips. Two. So we've done two. So, so we, ten, top, ten tip. top tips. Ten top. Ten tips. top tips. Five times two. Ten top tips. Yeah, that one. Right. Okay. So we've decided to do. Uh, we're going to kind of like in regards to clients who want to. Onboard contractors. Yeah. Do you mention the second one now or just do that one first? Go what, for it, Jim. No, I need to know what's the second one. Go on, Dave, what's the second one? The, the, the second one is tips to somebody who's working permanently currently. Yeah. But is looking to break into the contract market. Oh, okay. So aimed at candidates looking to break the contract market. Yeah, to kind of get in there. Okay, sound. So we'll start with the uh, kind of clients onboarding. So kind of uh, the first thing that we want to talk about is kind of skill set. So if a client is looking to onboard a contractor, just be very specific in regards to kind of what skill set you want this contractor to have. Because we do know in regards to kind of permanent recruitment, you know, it might be a case of having knowledge or the, the willingness to learn a certain technology. With contractors, be specific. You want them to have this list of these. Yeah, skills. if you're going to pay a premium rate, you want to have everything and list exactly what you yeah. need. And if by doing so, and if don't they, be vague. Yeah, inform us exactly what you're looking for. You know, kind of tell exactly everything that they need. What that allows us to do is that when we're speaking with contractors, we know, or if we do have to go to market, is that we're not sending people going saying, "Are they right? Are they quite right? We are getting the right people." that they need to see, you know, it, for that, it kind of, you know, it's a quicker turnaround. There's less faffing kind of backwards and forwards. Are they right? Are they right? Are they right? Get the correct skill set. It just kind of makes everyone's life easier in regard to kind of getting that yeah. Right person. Yeah, I always saw, you know, for for permanent recruitment, you, you typically have your list of necessities and your list of desirables. Yeah. Those two amalgamate for contract recruitment. If you're going to pay a premium rate and you have the budget, yeah. 
endless what you need. Yeah. And we, we will find people out there that look and love that. Not yeah. just searchability, by the way. Any decent agency, yeah. <laughs> to be clear. It's not, not specifically a searchability plug. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, hi- highlight all of the skills that you require and there will be premium rate contracts yeah. out there that can deliver. Yeah, yeah fine. Number two is the budget. So... Um, from this point of view, from 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 a client's point of view, what you want to be doing is checking the market, get a, an idea in your head of what these people cost. That will be different in different locations, yeah. obviously. Um, a good recruiter can show you this. So what what I would always do in this sort of circumstance is find somebody who can do the job is okay. Um, you know, not massive amounts of experience, but is good. And find their rate. And then the creme yeah. de la creme, find their rate. To be honest, most clients usually go somewhere in the middle of the two. Yeah. Um, but it's also worth noting, not just from a contract point of view, from a bu- when, when we're talking about budgets, look at it from a project point of view. So what would it cost your project if we don't find the right person for you and if you don't take that right person on and it all goes downhill? It's a lot it more be? expensive to get it wrong. Yeah. And balance the two out. And then you get your firefighters in. And then you get your firefighters <laughs> And it costs you double. Exactly. Okay, sounds? Speed. 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 I, I knew you'd mentioned speed. I, 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 me- I actually was watching the first podcast I was in um, last year, and I mentioned speed quite a lot as well. Did, I, think, yeah. I think you asked me what advice I would give, and it would be speed. You said speed, it, yeah. Speed. Um, it is, it's crucial. It really is. I think in regards to, you know, the way that, the permanent recruitment to the way you recruit a contractor is it's completely different contractors you know there's a small window of opportunity with a contractor if they're immediately available if they finish the project and they're good and they're good contractors don't want to be on the market for long periods of time mm. they'll be they'll be speaking with a number of companies if you find someone that you like the look of react don't kind of think oh we'll wait till see someone else or kind of we'll kind of you know just go for it. I, th- I can promise you in regards to kind of the speed of hiring someone, but even in regards to the interview process, you know, if you've got a skilled contractor who's been doing it for numerous years, dragging their interview process over three stages with technical tests, it, they're going to lose interest. They will find a company who is just a contract site where it's a one-stage interview via Teams or Zoom or what, we'll have them. If they can speed up the process in regards to the interviews, even feedback as well. If we send a CV across and... You know, they like look at, you know, provide feedback as quick as you can, purely because I can guarantee you if you like the look of that contractor, there's four or five competitors, other companies who also like the look of that CV. Who may be willing to move quicker. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, cool. Next one's location. So, um, Again, another thing I didn't really want to bring up too much or make the podcast about was COVID. And during COVID, um, there's the work from home phenomenon. Do you remember on LinkedIn? Who's working from home today? WFH. WFH. And um, it has definitely changed the market, for sure, hasn't it? Yeah. But let's not dwell on COVID. Exactly. Yeah. Let's not do that. But what what the point I was going to make is that before COVID, contractors already did that. Yeah. They sit home in their rooms, their own equipment. They've invested heavily in this equipment. It's the top range stuff. They've got it. That's what you're you're, you're employing someone who's already got all of that. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, by sort of looking at the location, look, yeah, I know you want them in your plush offices that you're spending lots and lots of money on. Can you do this remotely? If you can do it remotely, you're opening your talent pool up to people everywhere, the best out there. Um, and, and so, yeah, so just think about, does this need to be on site? I know that might be the preference, but does it need to be? Yeah, that's kind of twofold there as well, isn't it? Because, of course, there are IR35 complications around location anyway. Mm-hmm. Should a client be able to specifically define where a contractor works. 
the, the obvious answer to that is, is no. When you're talking outside, yeah. Yeah, there, there are, of course, occasions where, you know, I don't know, a secure data site, you can, in theory, still be outside and work on site. Yeah. It's not the beyond under, but it's definitely a factor. Plus, I mean, it's obvious, I'm sure, but if you someone's not having to travel, it costs less money, right? Exactly. Yeah, but, but I mean, on the flip side, in regards to location, what I kind of mean by it as well is I had a client in Leeds before the pandemic and they wanted someone full-time on site and it was a niche role and it was you know and they even said kind of we know it's niche but we need someone on site and I actually found someone from London and I had a conversation with that person and they were very honest and said my technology's niche I'll go where the the work is I'm project-based I'm a contractor if they need me on site for my skill set I will be there obviously cost them a bit of a premium but they were happy to travel from London get to Leeds on a Sunday night, Monday morning, whatever, and stay that yeah. week because contractors will go where the work is. It's project-based. No, because I've, I've sent CVs in the past to a client and they say, well, oh, they live an hour and a half away. It's like, they're a contractor. They will do that if required for certain projects. Obviously, kind of now with the the fact that they can dictate a little bit more in regards to work from home, etc. then, yeah, that has changed a little bit, but contractors will typically kind of, you know, Okay. So when you talk about location, you actually actually mean have flexibility on location. Have flexibility on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. From a I client's mean, point. We're definitely moving back to what appears to be a, a hybrid model again, I, I would say. And definitely. definitely. Yeah, definitely. no, a lot kind of clients, you know, stating that happy for them to work from home, but that office presence. So especially if you've got a niche location, don't rule the best in the market out because you need them on site. <sighs> Agreed. Makes exactly. Sense. And then the five, five, yeah, number five. Is IR. <laughs> IR, 35. Again, I know. I keep bringing, I keep saying I'm not going to bring it up and then bring it up loads. But it, it's massive. But if you're a client looking to bring on a contractor, first thing you do is make your IR 35 determination. Various different reasons. Um, the first one probably being, again, going back to the talent pool, if it's outside of IR 35 you are opening that up to a whole sort of raft of really experienced specialists that are working in that area. Um, you're probably opening up the location things. You're opening up not having to sort out people's equipment, all these bits and bobs that it can do to save you money and get you the best talent on site. But more than that, it's usually the first question that we get asked. Yeah, is it inside, is it outside? By a contract team. When we're calling them up to have this conversation, the first thing they'll say is, right, What's the role? You tell them, brief little description. Is it inside or outside? I swear day rate will come before that. Nah. <laughs> Do you know what? No, I just quickly, I did a poll on LinkedIn because I love my LinkedIn polls. And I said, what's most important to you? Rate, location, skill set, IR35. IR35, one. There you go. One. Most, most <laughs> in, One of Jimmy's polls. Most in, and that is definitive. IR35 never wins. Most important, <laughs> most important to a contractor is the IR35 status. There yeah, no, it makes sense because it's so it's so important to be to be got right, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. But I think if the client can determine that straight away, like you said, it kind of just and that can be can that not be challenging though if you don't know who the contractor is yet? What do you mean? No, because you're determining the the role. Yeah, so defining the project. Yeah, yeah. Define, defining whether the project is is an outside or inside role, and yeah, it's it might change. Things might happen down the line, and and but having your head get that IR thirty five determination done, and it it will help you. And for all the HR people out there, it'll save loads of paperwork as you go along. Cool. So if, even just for that reason. Okay. Cheers, fellas. Yeah. So we've also got five 
top tips for this breaking. Just... Yeah, let's just let's fly through them because I feel like we're the girls are evil in us like in the corner saying they want to go to the pub. Like so burning a hole in the side of my yeah. head, I can feel their gazes. Do you need a cap? <laughs> Do you need sun cream oh, on? Course, yeah. <laughs> it's cloudy up there anyway. <laughs> um, right, top tips for people breaking the. Uh, to get into the contract market so uh, top so in short here just very quickly Sorry. I'm a permanent member of staff right now yes. yep. I've been in the job for a while yep. I'm thinking why is everyone getting paid more than yep. me I fancy a little bit of that mm. I fancy something from project to project you're going to tell me how to break into that market Yeah. notice Go. period I have one yep. yep how long probably three months too long <laughs> well I can't change that can I well take the plunge and put your notice in Right, okay. Whoa, 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 hang on. So, you know, as long as I'm sure I want to be a contractor, though. Yes, right. If you're adamant that, right, I've been a permanent member of staff for 10 years, do you know, I want to kind of become a contractor, I want to kind of, you know, work on different projects, different clients, etc. If you are adamant that that's what you want to do, take the plunge and put your notice period in because I can promise you that if you wait for an offer, add offer stay, say I can't start for three months the client will then go and take someone else who is immediately available or within a week or two. Yeah. So my advice is, look... No client plans to take on a contract in three months' time. It, it just they? doesn't work that uh, way. With, with three months, at the end of the day, if you've got holiday or annual leave, you can use that. In regards to if you say, right, I'm going to put my notice in today and I'm going to try and find a contract role over the next three months, speak to contract recruiters, You know, speak to contract companies, contractors you're aware of. I can promise you, if you if you have got that experience to enter the contract market within three months, you will be able to land something. It's proper speedy, that Jim. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Can you fast forward that bit, like time speed. times eight or something like speed. that? Speed. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. So, uh, rates. So, <laughs> moving on from that, top tip two for contractors going into the market, you have to think about rates. Now, chances are you've got friends who've worked. Apologies. In, who've worked in the industry, uh, probably Sorry, done the Dad. same job as you maybe even doing the same job as you now, but yep. as a contractor, um, you will ask them what their rate is and they will tell you because they're dead proud of it because it'll be loads. Yeah. But have a, have an open mind when you're going into that. They've probably been contracting for quite a few years. They've got a bit of experience about them. Yeah. They've got that contracting experience as well. If you're moving out into a market that isn't yours, you might have to be a bit flexible. What you have to remember is that as a contractor, this always snowballs. Yes, there's peaks and troughs as the market sort of dips and, and, and you know takes off again. But if you have, the more experience you've got behind you, the bigger your day rate will be. It's, it's probably yeah. as simple as and that. most of those contractors probably themselves, when their first contract was a much lower rate than kind of what they're talking about now. Exactly. So yeah, so don't, don't familiar, say familiarise yourself, don't compete Day right, day rate wise, with those guys, you've got the same years of experience. Yeah. It's a different world. Exactly, be flexible on that first rate. I be think, competitive. I think kind of keyword for the the top tips that we'll talk about is the flexibility. I think kind it's of, all you know, flexibility. When you're entering the contract market, be flexible. The end, they kind of if you see a role which is advertised or you've heard it's paying four hundred pounds per day, don't think well it's paying four hundred. So I deserve. Remember, you're going up against contractors who've been contracting for numerous years they, they know the contract game and it's a selling point isn't it you sell yourself yeah if you can go in a little bit that yeah. bit of a edge yeah if you exactly. go in a little bit cheaper, okay yeah. cool um, the next one for me um, is CV um, make it contract orientated you know obviously kind of need as much information in there as possible but also not a 20 page essay we don't want to see a, uh, 
a shopping list in regards to just skills that you've got or technologies used. Put a bit of information in regards to what you did with each technology, kind of where you used it. If, for instance, you were, I've been working for a digital agency or consultancy and you've been working on different projects for different clients, if you can kind of mention that, that's quite contract specific because you're working on smaller projects. So if you can highlight it within your CV and kind of get as much information in there without too much... Overdoing it. That's kind of advice I would So you can make your permanent experience a lot more contract savvy. Exactly. Nice. Uh, Number four, going back to it again, I I am the IR35 man, but from a a contractor's point of view that's looking to break into the market, think about it from this point of view. You've got to be open to it. You might want to work outside. You might need to work inside initially. You might need to flip between the two. I've got contractors that do that. Um, It's project by project, not contractor by contractor. Remember that. Um, As well as that, get in line. If you want to work outside, set yourself a limited company up. Get that going. Get that done from day one. Also, look at the umbrella companies that are out there. Get get an idea of who it is you like to work with, and then that's ready to go. Love it. Last one, social media. Okay. It's huge, you know, especially LinkedIn. I've heard heard it's, yeah. It's It's pretty big. It's it's, it's it's doing all right. You know, get on your MySpace, (laughs) Bebo's, your Friends Reunited. (laughs) If you're on LinkedIn, which I'm guessing a lot of kind of professionals are, um, make sure that kind of, you know, it's contract specific. If it's, you know, obviously putting open to work on there, you know, change your job title to contract software developer, contract DevOps engineer, hashtags, you know, contract work, con- IT contracts, etc. Connect with um, contract recruiters, connect with people who work in the contract industry, anything like that to kind of highlight that you are looking for contract work. Your social media is huge. Let's be honest, kind of, you know, a lot of people use it. There's so many different platforms to use it. That's kind of my biggest advice. It's key to remember, isn't it? I mean, you're a business. Although, it's you know, it's yourself. It may be a couple of you, however you're going to work it, but it's your business. So advertise your business. The way to do that, social media presence. Get yourself out there. Um, be the first person that pops up when people start searching. I think kind of, yeah. Cool. Flexibility, I think, kind of key. But yeah, that's pretty much the top tips we'd we'd give. The five slowest top tips we've ever now honestly some really good stuff in there, lads. So thank you very much. Very informative on both sides. Thank you. Um in so in summary, and I'm gonna go full circle here and go back to those football analogies. Mm-hmm. I uh, insinuated that we talk a lot of football at the start and we haven't really <laughs> at all other than mentioning Ben Foster a few times. And me playing for Wrexham. Well, and you playing for Wrexham and yeah. Dave playing for Airbus a yeah. bit. A bit. A, a little bit. bit. Okay, sure. so you know, <laughs> I think ultimately, you know, summarising the whole topic, it's all about timing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, we, we talked about the Ben Foster thing and we keep using that same analogy, but it's it's true. They, there was a means to an end there. They needed to get the right person in to solve their immediate headache yep. and provide a solution. It worked. Yep. Yeah. Contracting is all about timing and it's needs must yep. most, most of the time. On the opposite end of that, you know, sometimes permanent hires are right and Clients have certainly been guilty of of holding on to contractors too long. For instance, you know, people you, you just don't feel are quite right. Look at look at Stellini at Spurs. <laughs> now, you know, is that is that his name, Stellini? Yeah, yeah. Con- yeah Conte's number two, right? So yeah. he was doing a job for Conte. Yeah, he was his number two. He didn't make any decisions. Spurs decided that Conte wasn't the right man for the job, and then kept on his number two who had the exact same ideology <laughs> without the level of experience. We didn't, got rid of him, though, did, didn't we? It didn't really work out, did it? No, it didn't. No. Be more Wrexham, Ben Foster, 
be less Spurs and Stellini. Get a contractor in when the time is right and make it happen today. Brilliant. Wow. <laughs> Bit cheesy. Wow. But yeah, I like it. It's great. Cool. Right, okay, so that's kind of half my okay. director's diaries advice. So I decided that with, with the rest of it, I was going to have a little bit of fun. Yep. Um, oh, for, he's got an ominous <laughs> look in his eye here. For the, for the listeners out there, Dave and Jim both claim to be very knowledgeable recruiters, techies, <laughs> Just you know what? Just they both think they're good at pub quizzes. So no, um, I don't eat to to end things, I've put a little quiz together. They, they genuinely have no idea what the questions are. There's only three questions each. Okay. If it ends in a draw, I have prepared a tied break question. Excellent. I imagine Dave will just win Jim, so it, it won't come to that, will it? <laughs> right. Oh so the, now these are quick fire. Yeah, quick fire. <laughs> quick fire. Not flexibility and slow fire. Speed, speed. Quick, quick fire. I've got this. Speed. <laughs> right, so I've, I've tried to cover all bases, a little bit about recruitment, a little bit about tech. Yep. So, Jim. Yep. Question number one. Yep. You've been with Searchability six years now, right? Just shy. You worked for me for a little bit. I did. Who was the first contractor you placed as a Bola consultant? Bola and That's incorrect. Ah. Bola Egg and Joby you placed whilst working Ooh. with me. Oh, consultant? Oh, Ben Liger. <laughs> Can we give him that? Oh, oh. You, said, you, said, you said working under you. First consultant, Ben Liger. Incorrect. I Augustus said, Bader. I'll give it. January. 1-0, James, James Roberts, James Gambino. Caroline Finn was the person I placed him under. Are we allowed to be mentioned contractors' names in hindsight? I, I mean, you've mentioned the company. <laughs> you know what? you mentioned the client. you right. mentioned the contract. Ben Liger probably won't be listening, so it's fine. <laughs> ben Liger. I remember what he did. Anyway, I'll shut up. We may, we'll maybe have to edit that out. We'll speak to the girls afterwards. Dave Henderson, mm. same question. Now, I remember Simon Heron, lovely guy, placed him, but that was when I was with you. Why are you pointing at me like that? So aggressive. I didn't like that at all. I'm going to go for Jason Rubio. That is absolutely incorrect. <sighs> the correct answer was Daniel Welch. Oh, it was the same day. I remember him. <laughs> what, two, two deal day? That was the same day. Two deal day? Yeah. Well, what time, though? We, yeah. Come on, Dave. He did the other one first. That's so, harsh. so that's incorrect. Very I remember the first person I played. Same place. Question number two. Anyway, sorry. James. Yes. IR35. Yeah. It's been a hot topic of conversation in this podcast. Cheers, Dave. Uh, obviously, it's been heavily topical since its reform in 2021. Mm. But what year was it actually introduced? <coughs> 2000. <laughs> That's the correct answer. I'm really glad I gave him the answer to that a minute ago. <laughs> 23 years ago, I said. <laughs> so to be clear, IR35 has always existed. It's just been reformed recently. Correct. To stay in the game. Same question. Mr. <laughs> Henderson. No, it's not the same question. Okay, go on. Who was the second person you placed on <laughs> Okay, so AWR. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What does it stand for, mm-hmm. and when was it introduced? <laughs> to make the game interesting, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a point for both. Okay, agency worker regulations. That's correct. Why did you say? No, when. When was it introduced? You could tell us why as well, though. Why it was was to make sure that agency workers were getting the same sort of rights as permanent. That's the staff. That's the correct answer. three points. I'm going to put it out there. It's one of two answers. 
Probably one not. It's probably more and it's than probably going to be the other one to the one that I'm going to say. I'm going to say 2003. That's incorrect. 2011, then. That is correct. I'm going to give it him two all. Thanks. James Gambino. No. Yeah. I'm going to get like... You're banging trouble. For years... <laughs> sweating. For years, Jim, I say, I, I used to claim that I was the best .NET recruiter in the Midlands. I oh, mean, yeah. It was obviously bullshit, but and I used to pretend, claim to fame. Jim then also took over the .NET mantle for many years, still placing .NET developers now. <laughs> but what does the ASP stand for oh. in ASP.NET? What does ASP stand for? The whole thing, or <laughs> active server pages? That is the correct answer. Yeah, well Network done, Enabled Technologies. Boom, I absolutely smashed it. Well done, mate. I was um, quite confident you'd get that wrong. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Confidence. Okay, and this is a bit more of a generic one, which I've got no doubt Dave will know the answer to. Uh, but dead funny if he doesn't. Mr. Henderson, mm-hmm. who invented the World Wide Web? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh how is... You know his name, Dave. Yeah, Tim Ber- uh, Burn. Tim... Oh. You said there was a quick fist? I can't give you just Tim. Five. Burn- it's double barrel. Four. It's Bernal's. Three. It's something. Bernal's two. Uh, One. Ah, I failed. Is it Tim Bernard Lee? It's Tim Berners Lee. So I think by default, the winner is Jim Gambino. Well done, Jim. You know, I'm I'm very, very surprised by that outcome. Well, let's just recap quickly. I placed um, Jason Rubio and and Jason... You placed Tim (laughs) Berners-Lee. You are old enough. I got Tim Berners. Everything he knows. He did, he did. I think, really, I was close to, like, five answers, but... Oh, yeah, you definitely won. You're the moral. Okay, so you both... Although you didn't know there was a quiz, I obviously asked you both to prepare... A wrap-up record. That's yeah, how. That's, that's, that's that's how we like to to sign out the show. So each week, I say each week, probably more like each month. So we have a guest on, and they pick a record to to wrap up the show, so to speak. That could be a record that's relevant to their recruitment. Yeah. That could be just a song they like, the way they're feeling on that particular day, etc., etc. Just just to hear us out. Now, Jim, as you won, mm. I'm going to let you wrap us up. Oh, thank you. Sort of interest, Hendo. What would your I'm record make have been? Rubbish. Go on. Because my pick, because my dad will be listening to this podcast. I was going to pick Father and Son by Cat Stevens. Oh, that's really sad. Because I'm both a father and a son, and a and a father two sons. Who? Me. Oh, I think it was about me. So yeah, enjoy your victory, Jim. Well, wow. I feel bad. <laughs> Because mine's got no meaning. <laughs> I just like the song. <laughs> and I like Peep Show. Uh, it was going to be Flagpole to uh, Harvey Danger. Well, but... it isn't going to be. That is. Well, I feel it, bad now. Well, that's a tune. That is a tune. I'll give you that, Jim. I'll go for that then, please. Okay. So to hear us out, Jim, the song is called? Flagpole Sitter, um Harvey Danger. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, all. Cheers, Thanks all. Thanks for your time. Take it easy. Cheers.